I'm Little Beeb. You're listening to the beautiful sounds of praise and worship on Praise Until Dawn, here on the Praise Broadcasting Network. As usual, I want to point you to our podcast of A Time Apart and Praise Until Dawn up at our website at pbnradio.com. That's PBN, Praise Broadcasting Network, pbnradio.com. And at the top of the page there, click on Podcast. You'll find both broadcasts up there. A Time Apart will have ATA colon in front of it. Want to welcome our Roku listeners. If you have Roku, great way to listen to Praise Until Dawn and Praise Broadcasting Network. Just search for if if you don't already know, just search for PBN or Praise Broadcasting Network. And I also want to say hello to all of our iWatch listeners, tablet, iPod, iPad listeners, Samsung, iPhone and other phone listeners, and, of course, our laptop and desktop listeners, and our iHeartRadio listeners. And I'm, I'm sure I've left somebody out, but whatever platform you're using to listen, welcome. Those listening by Alexa, ask her to play PBN Classic on TuneIn. I actually use Alexa to monitor pbnradio.com. Great way to listen. Good sound on it. I also want to remind you about our pbnradio.com Facebook page as well as my personal site. Go to our pbnradio.com homepage at pbnradio.com and click on the little blue and white Facebook logo at the top. It has a a small letter F, which is white, with a, a circle of blue behind it. That's Facebook. That will take you to our pbnradio.com Facebook page. For my personal page, while you're at the pbnradio.com Facebook page, go up to the search bar and at the top enter Pat Rutherford 1232. Pat Rutherford 1232.
is one that I have loved for a long, 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 long time. And, and it has meant something specifically for, for Claudia and me in our lives together and in our journeys wherever it's taken us, whether it was Northern California or Southern California or Michigan or uh, Texas or Tanzania, East Africa, or Chiba, Japan, Tokyo, you know, wherever. For the mountains may depart, and the hills may be removed, but my steadfast love will not depart from you. And my covenant of peace will not be removed, says the Lord, who has compassion on you. O afflicted one, storm-tossed and not comforted, behold, I will set your stones in antimony and lay your foundations with sapphires. I will make your pinnacles of rubies, your gates of crystal and all your wall of precious stones all your children shall be taught by the Lord and great shall be the peace of your children in righteousness you will be established you will be far from oppression for you will not fear and from terror for it will not come near you some of us walk with fear like it's a friend. You ever thought about that? It, it's like we've, we've got to have fear here. We listen to the lies of Satan and cherish them as a friend instead of listening to what our Heavenly Father says. Fear is just a feeling. Now, as I'm speaking this, do I feel no? I want to go screaming down the street in fear. But that's where, as I have shared with you so many times before, that's where our instruction manual comes into play. Why is, <clears throat> and, and, and believe me, you will be tempted by this. 
and you will think that it is just nuts. Well, n nobody can ever make me not believe God's word. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. This is why I have talked over and over and over and over, and I know people get tired of hearing it over and over and over. This is why we talk about Genesis and Genesis 5 and, and the, the, the Hebrew names given and what they mean in, in the descendants of Noah and the gospel way back in the, in the beginning of time or the prophecies of Abraham offering Isaac to get past that the story and you look at all the fine detail where did it happen on the pinnacle of Mount Moriah well who else was sacrificed there That's where Jesus was sacrificed. All the minutiae down there. The, 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 we talk about the 2300-day-year prophecy in, in Daniel 9. Why? It's like Jesus says, Who else, what other God, can tell you long before something happens? that it's going to happen. And then at that time, it actually happens. What other God can do that? What makes this Bible, this instruction manual, different than, say, the Bhagavad Gita or the, the Confucianism or uh, the Koran? What, what sets apart God's Word is what we call God's Word. Do we really believe these are God's words? If we do, why do we spend so little time with it? This is why I, I, I keep saying, get in, study. Can you read the signs of the times? I, I, I don't want to be a, not a... I almost said a prophet of doom. I'm not a prophet. I don't practice being a prophet. I don't, I don't want to be a prophet. All I'm telling you is what God's Word says. And like I like to call it, God's words. It's not just God's Word. God's words. You're going to be confronted with overwhelming, if possible, temptation to not 
believe our Heavenly Father's words. He's got so much in here for us. If we will just spend the time as if we know things are coming, and Lord, I need to be prepared. I mean, we, we, we talk like, okay, I read the signs of the times, and... Well, it's coming. I, I, I see the anger in the streets. I, I, I see, you know, I, I can put an application. Yeah, I can see that coming and everything. But for those who death cuts you down early, your time has already come. See, that's the great thing about God. He warns us of what's coming because he loves us so much. Well, if God is God, why does he let so much evil happen in the world? Why would he make a hell where people burn forever and ever and ever and ever? Why would he? That's not a loving God. No, it is a loving God because he is telling us the intimate details of what to stay away from. He wants to scare you spitless. That's a good old Texas term we used to use, like scare you spitless. So that you will stay away from the fire and run to him. That's why he tells us about what is there and what is coming. We're all so concerned. <clears throat> I'm sorry, there's so much scum in my throat. Just a second. I'm not sure <clears throat> how coffee will burn it away. The election coming up. As Christians, we're very concerned about this election. And as Christians, I, I am aghast that other Christians are not paying attention. And that they are voting for a party that their platform, their, their main platform is to murder more babies. But it's, it's, it's like, they're just la, 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 through life. And yet, my brother isn't concerned at all, at all, about this election. You see, he's in the presence of Jesus. My brother died yesterday. Well, I, I guess I ought to put that a different way. My, my brother's body gave out yesterday. 
and his spirit is now in the presence of Jesus and, and with our mama. People keep asking me, well, how, how are you, Pat? How, how, how are you? I'm, I'm fine. No, I, I, I really mean that. I, I, I feel like there's a void because I, I miss my brother. We, <laughs> he and I, oh, we had disagreements. Mm. But at least he was there to have a disagreement with. And now he's not. And yet I smile because my brother went through so much pain in his life, both physically and psychologically. Depression is a terrible thing. If you are going through that and you need medicine, go get the medicine, okay? God made plants and all down here so that scientists could find these things and you're not taking it away from God. Go get the medicine and trust God. But my brother is free of all that now and I smile knowing that he is pain-free and he's with his mama that, that he, he loved so much. He, he and mom were, um, had a very close relationship. And it, it started back when, when Kirk was born. He was born sickly. He had an enlarged heart, which is no funny thing or something to uh, overlook it's life-threatening Kirk was 66 now he stops counting birthdays because I mean why count birthdays if you're in eternity time means nothing now do I really really believe that Kirk's in eternity. I mean, what kind of idiot? Just because a book says it, the Koran says a bunch of stuff, the Bhagavad Gita says a whole bunch of stuff. How come we believe this thing called the Bible over those other things? How do you know he's in eternity? Because I'm studying the book. Do I feel it? No, it, it, it's a feeling. That comes and goes. I, I think there, there are a lot of people... Now, I've, I've written a bunch of stuff about this election in my personal pages and all. And, and, I, and, and it's important to be aware... But there's a point where we say aware, but can we say not concerned? 
it's kind of like my brother right now, Kirk. Um, we called him Little Jimmy. He hated that name. Hated it. Because it comes from when my grandparents on my mother's side, Kirk would act up. He was very close with my grandfather and uh, my, my mom's dad. And when, when Kirk, when he was young, would act up and not mind, they called him Little Jimmy Whitestick. And that came from, they would paddle him with a paint stick. Yeah, as if that really hurts, you know. A heavy spoon, yeah, that hurts. A little paint stick, well, I guess it could sting a, a, a young kid. But I rem- I still remember that stick because it, it sat on, I, I never got that. Uh, it sat on top of the a paint can and it had white paint from like, two-thirds of the way down it had white paint on it and then it was just the stick above where they stir the paint and so what they would do is is get that what they called a white stick because there was white paint on it and paddle his little butt you know so they call it when when he was not acting right they'd say little jimmy white stick and that would <laughs> that would uh clue him in that he was real close to seeing Uh, to getting to know that white stick personally. But my brother's not worried about this election because he trusts his father. He trusts that eternity is not coming to an end. There are no temptations that, oh gosh, every day you wake up, is this going to be the last day of eternity? No. And we need to practice that same thing here. Be aware. Vote. Speak your mind. But don't get in arguments. You know when you're wasting words. Just stop. Trust our Heavenly Father. Just just like the first time. Uh, that was a miracle people. I don't know if you know how much of a miracle that was, that that first election in 2016. We trust our Heavenly Father. Come what may, because we've been in His Word. The Spirit has been there teaching us, and we know Him. And we will not give up or give in. Every January and every July, I get a phone call from down in Dallas. It's from a place called the Tom Landry Center. Not as cool as it sounds. The woman on the other line, it's always a woman, um, says, hey, uh, we're going to need you to be here about an hour before your appointment so you can sit around in our waiting room for that hour and read magazines that you don't care about. And so if you could show up an hour early to wait an hour and a half, that would be awesome. <laughs> that, that would be them being honest. Um, and, and don't forget, you need to bring your last three scans. And at that call, my fight with anxiety flares up. 
So then I go over to where we keep the scans and I pull out the last three and I set them up on the kitchen counter and then I wait for seven days. Seven days later, I'll grab those scans. Lauren will get in the car with me and we will drive straight down 35 down to Baylor downtown to the Tom Landry Center where I'll walk in and I'll wait for about an hour and a half out in a waiting and I will read magazines that I don't care about. I'll sometimes read articles that are on my phone. I'll sometimes bring um, something to work on, but I'm, I'm there about an hour, about hour and a half later um, after I've filled out a form where I labeled my birth date and weight on every one of the 15 forms because of HIPAA laws. If you want to make a billion dollars, figure out how to not break HIPAA laws and not have to write your weight like it changed. Like after the first one, like all of a sudden I lost a pound writing that. Whose metabolism works like that? And so I get all of that filmed out. And then uh, a sweet nurse will come out and grab me. They will lead me to the back where I wait again. Um, and then finally, another nurse will come and grab me. And they will uh, take a needle, a one-gauge needle, which is, if it sounds like a spear, that's what it is. Uh, and, and they will stick that into this poor vein right here, or sometimes this one right here. And then guess what I get to do? I get to wait again. And then after a while, uh, another tech will come grab me and then they will take me um, into um, a cold room with weird noises with a giant steel door. And they will lie me down on a little bed and they will anchor my head to uh, the table and they will slide me into an MRI machine. And for the next 40 minutes, I get to listen to someone else's favorite songs. <laughs> and, and I'm just waiting and then after I get out of the MRI, this is twice a year. This is every January. This is every July. Um, I get to, guess what? Wait again. And so for about three hours, Lauren and I just piddle. Uh, we're down in Dallas, so we like the idea of the city. So visiting the city is fun for us. So we'll go uh, play around some, and then we'll head to my neuro-oncologist. And then guess what we get to do again? We get to wait again. And then Karen will come in and she throws up my scan. She doesn't piddle a lot. She will just immediately tell me results, which praise God for that. All right. I'm not there to be buddies. I like Karen, but I'm not like, Hey, how's life? I'm like, how's my brain? And she comes in and to this point, five years in, she goes, looks perfect. looks great. It's all stable. This is what we want. And then we'll start a little, make sure I've got no degenerative effects from surgery and chemo. And now the reality, I hate the scan. I hate it. Look at me. And I love the scan. Now, here's why. Maybe one day she'll throw that thing up and go, ah, look at that. Dang it, we didn't want to see that. So we're going to have to start you on Timidar again. And then we're going to have to start realigning life. Or I'm probably going to have to resign from this, going to have to stop doing this. We'll have to pull in, figure out how to do life on chemo again. I don't know the results of the scan. Every time I go in and lay on that table, I have no idea. But here's why I love the scan. I'm going to hear, all clear, you're good for six months. Or I'm going to hear, here's how we treat this. To not have the scan. To take that call and go, thank you, Tom Landry Center, but I'm not coming. Mm. I, I mean, I couldn't do that. We don't, who has a, that kind of phone anymore, right? Be like, mm. Just forgot where I was for a second. Like the 20-somethings were like, what did he, I don't understand what that was. Why would he, does, does he have a case, like an otter box on his iPhone? Is he trying to crush that? No, I, if I did that, here's what I do. I put myself in a situation where I don't know whether or not I'm healthy or sick. And so I can't celebrate health and I can't get help if I'm sick. 
In the same way, when James bears its weight on us and says, hey, listen to me. If you have no desire to be obedient to the word of God, you're not a Christian. We've got this opportunity to go, gosh, I desire. Praise God, I'm saved. I have that desire. I've made progress. I'm not what I once was. Praise his name. I'm an adopted son. I'm an adopted daughter. I'm loved by God. Praise his name. Or we go, oh, God. And then let mercy triumph over justice. Judgment. Let mercy triumph over judgment. See, if you're in here and you're just a total fake and veneer, there's good news for you. As good a news there is for you as there is for um, the, the prostitute and drug addict that God forgives. In fact, I am most often more astonished by those who profess Christ out of Sunday school classes and small groups than I am with the drug addict and prostitute because no prostitute or drug addict goes, this is what I dreamed of when I was a kid. They know their life is broken. They know they need help. But the self-righteous, the self-righteous are kind of inoculated to Jesus. They feel like they already have him despite all the objective evidence that they don't. In fact, you know the first chairman of elders here at the village church came to know Christ when he was the deacon of a small Baptist church? How you like that walking down the aisle as chairman of the deacon board? You think he sat in his seat and wrestled for a bit? Gosh, what are they going to say? I mean, I'm the chairman of the deacons. It's going to get weird. Walking up, hey, I know I'm kind of your boss, but I'm lost. Can you pray with me? You know, I, that's, that's a weird moment. And so what would be a terrible, terrible thing is for you to right now have the word of God, read your scan and go, ah, we're sick. We're sick. And go, man, I can't say I'm sick. Everybody looks at me like I'm the picture of health. Well, you die if you do that. Do you really think your projected godliness is more valuable than actual godliness? You know, hear how crazy that is? I want to look godly, don't want to be godly. People think I'm godly, so if I confessed I wasn't godly, what would happen to them? Well, they might be encouraged that you're finally honest and it probably makes sense at why there's not a lot of fruit in your life. Let mercy triumph over judgment. This is the great invitation laid into this warning. Let me pray for us. Father, I thank you for my brothers and sisters. For those who are really wrestling now. Am, am I a Christian? Am I not? Father, I pray that you would grant them the courage and strength to let us wrestle with them. Let us struggle with them. That they would be quick to come and grab the hand of a man or a woman or head to Connection Central, grab the hand of a man or woman and just say, hey, pray for me, help me. I'm confused. I'm not... I'm confused by what pastor said. How am I to think this is where I'm struggling? Help me get clarity here. Father, I pray that you would grant salvation where one thought they previously were. And I pray that you would grant encouragement for the weary struggler who struggles on that they might have the lens to see that that is an objective evidence that your Holy Spirit is inside of them. Progress, not perfection. 
Thank you for your grace and mercy that covers all of our shortcomings and sins. We turn now to celebrate that and the breaking of the bread and the rejoicing in the cup as a community of faith seeking to show no partiality but to love and to serve as you love and as you serve indiscriminately and with compassion and mercy to all around us. It's for your beautiful name that we pray. Amen. Let me just end with this. Let us walk with you. If you're struggling with doubt, if you're wrestling with what all this means, that's okay. Just let us walk with you. Don't leave here feeling that burden without inviting us into that burden with you. Uh, And so we'll sing and then be dismissed. And there are going to be some men and women here. And there are going to be some men and women in Connection Central. And so I'm pleading with you as one who knows the scab I just picked at. That you would allow us to walk alongside of you until your confidence in the saving work of Christ swells so that sermons like this lead all the more to rejoicing and not to questioning. See, as we progress, as we mature, as we grow in an understanding of the faith, these type of sermons actually serve as fuel to rejoice, not as tripwires that make us wrestle. So let us help you get there. And so to do that, you'll have to be honest that that's where you are. And so I would plead with you to not let the kind of fake, faux, veneer, ridiculousness of Bible Belt Christianity um, serve as an anchor on your soul. But man, let us walk with you. You're not going to shock us. We're not dumb that this happens. We've experienced it ourselves. Let us serve you that way. So let me pray for you. We'll sing a song and then we'll be dismissed. There'll be men and women up here, men and women in Connection Central. Don't wrestle alone. Father, thank you. You are good and gracious. We love you. It's for your beautiful name I pray. Amen. Love you guys so much. Let's sing.
The Lord is with you. Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Come, you will conceive in your womb and give birth to a son, and you will call his name Jesus. How can this be, since I've been with no man? The Holy Spirit will come upon you. And the power from the Most High will overshadow you. And the holy offspring should be called the Son of God. Teenage girl, much too young, unprepared for what's to come. A baby changes everything. Not a ring on her hand. All her dreams and all her plans. A baby changes everything. A baby changes everything.
One day, Janie, three and a half, comes home from school and says, Daddy, why don't we believe in Jesus? And I'm like, realize I'm in deep trouble. I know I'm supposed to raise my kids Jewish. I know it's my job. And I have no idea what I believe and why I believe it. I have no idea what it means to be a Jew at this point. So at that point, I knew I had to figure this out. Back then, 
if I think about what I believed, what I thought Jesus was, um, to me, there were some things I knew Jesus was not. Jesus was not for the Jewish people. Um, I didn't even know if Jesus existed. I put him somewhere with Santa Claus as a fictitious story that people had made up. Um, but I did know. People that believed in Jesus, that I looked back on my life, there was something different about them, that they had a peace and a joy about them. Edna Burns, wow. She, an uh, amazing black woman, came from the South, took a bus up, no job, no money. Um, her teeth were even dentures or something. They weren't even real teeth. But what I loved about Edna, and everyone loves Edna, everyone knew there was something different about Edna in my family. She had so much wisdom. She had so much love, so much patience. And we knew she loved Jesus, and we knew there was something different about Edna. 34, 35, maybe 40 years after Edna entered our house and was one of the major influences in my life that I just am so thankful for every day. She passes away. I'm so asleep, probably selfish, that as opposed to going to this woman that took care of me forever, I say, I'm not gonna go. I wanna play in a tennis tournament. So I walk into that funeral and it is deep, deep center Philadelphia, but there were mouths running through it. It was dirty. Um, it was a church that was built and I think about it, there was maybe 20 benches there. Um, they were kind of beaten up and it was just a room. But if I look back in that room at that time, there was so much spirit and passion and excitement and joy. And Edna, who they loved, had passed away. And I will never forget that moment and the joy and the excitement in that room for Jesus. I grew up in a great Reformed Jewish family where Judaism was so important to us. Um, and the rabbi was, was a great family friend, very smart man, and uh, someone I had a lot of respect for. It's just a beautiful temple with, with great ceilings and great, great drawings on the roof and, and a beautiful choir. That Reformed Judaism was a huge part of my life. But to me, there was something missing there. We read about David and we read the Psalms and we read the Torah, but did we really believe it? Did the rabbi believe it? Or was it just a story that we were hearing? It's Yom Kippur. I'm still focused on what it's like to be a Jew. So we go through Yom Kippur. Um, I'm fasting like a good Jew does. My heart is pounding. I am itching all over. I can't breathe. And we barely get to the hospital in time. The people at the hospital saved my life. And I think I'm having a heart attack and about to die. I'm basically in anaphylactic shock, and my body shuts down. What happened on that day? I look back on it, and it was a clear wake-up call. And I knew that, again, still God's chasing me, and I have to figure something out at this point. That, again, pushed me on my journey to really try and figure out what is the truth and do I, what do I believe? Now I'm really starting to research. Now I'm reading. I went 35 years, and I didn't read anything. So I read more in two years than I had in my whole life combined. I read a book by Stan Telchin called Betrayed. Stan is a, a gentleman that was trying to convince others that uh, his daughter was wrong because she came home and said that she was Jewish and that Jesus was real. And Stan's whole mission was to prove her wrong. All of a sudden, I put it down, and I said to my friend, this is me. What he said here is exactly what I'm going through. God, at this point, begins to send more and more people that I used to think were weird, maybe less, 
but there was some peace that they had. And for me, they had the truth. And there was some, some level of uh, peace and comfort and assurance that they were walking around with. And I became envious of that. There was a, a great teacher um, in New York City, uh, a preacher named Tim Keller. And I remember hearing him, and everything he said made sense. It was so simple. It was so orderly. And I look at that in contrast to the teaching that I had in the Reformed Temple. It's, I said to myself, where is the Jewish Tim Keller? And I realized it was because Tim had truth on his side. And the Reformed rabbi was doing a great job being a good person, but he didn't have the truth in the foundation. The only thing I thought I knew was that Jesus Yeshua was not for the Jews. Now I'm 100% sure as I look at the Torah and I read the Bible that Jesus is for the Jews. In the first light of a new day No one knew he had arrived Things continue as they had been While a newborn softly cried But the heavens wrapped in wonder
Joyful and triumphant. Oh, come ye, oh, come ye to Bethlehem. Come and behold him, born the King of Angels. Oh, come, let us adore.
There's a cold sky above For the girl on the ground in the dark Every beat of her beautiful heart Was a labor of love Noble Joseph of her side Just hands and we
You've been listening to Pat Rutherford and Praise Until Dawn here on the Praise Broadcasting Network. Pat and Claudia would love to hear from you. I'll give you the address in just a moment. Thank you for remembering that Praise Broadcasting Network is listener supported. Your donations help keep PBN on the air for listeners just like you all over the world. Donations are tax deductible in the United States and appreciated from around the world. Our address is Praise Broadcasting Network, P.O. Box 2468, Asheboro, North Carolina, 27204. You can also visit our website at www.pbnradio.com. Pat and Claudia love reading your email. You may send it to mail at pbnradio.com or call them at 336-626-PRAY. That's 336-626-7729. You're listening to Praise Until Dawn, coast to coast and around the world here on the Praise Broadcasting Network.